avoiding potential delays in the national airspace system as we approach what looks to be an interesting and very busy holiday travel season ahead. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Although COVID-19 remains a concern throughout the U.S., the lingering pandemic does not appear to be standing in the way of many people's plans to travel over the upcoming holiday season, to visit with friends and family we weren't able to see last year, or to just take some much-needed time away from worldly matters. And while this time of the year is always a busy one for air travel, the 2021 holiday season may carry some additional challenges for business aviation operators. To delve into these issues and provide a few potential solutions, I'm pleased to welcome a panel of experts on operations within the National Airspace System, or NAS. We'll start with Dean Snell, manager at NBAA Air Traffic Services, located at the FAA's Air Traffic Control System Command Center in Warrington, Virginia. And Dean, what might make this year's holiday travel season different from others? We're definitely seeing additional or higher air traffic numbers for both the scheduled air carriers as well as business aviation operators. I'd say we're almost back to pre-pandemic numbers. So they're very comparable, if not even some days over pre-pandemic numbers for this time of year. We're also seeing a significant increase in the Northeast, specifically the major New York City commercial terminals, which brings the complexity back of managing the traffic on both the surface as well as the en route environment in that New York City region. This is more than likely going to result in an increase in traffic flow management initiatives in and out of the Northeast. We're expecting the usual push southbound out of the Northeast in Mid-Atlantic, heading south to both Florida uh, and markets in the Caribbean. Uh, We also expect a significant amount of traffic to the major ski destinations out in uh, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, Idaho. Uh, And these include both all of the Colorado airports, uh, such as Aspen and Eagle, uh, as well as Jackson Hole in Wyoming, in Sun Valley, Friedman Memorial in Idaho. In addition, a big change uh, this year is, of course, we have a new president in his first year. So we've seen a change to where the TFRs are located. The previous administration frequently went to the West Palm Beach area during the holidays, uh, which uh, certainly affected them. Current administration, the current president uh, commonly uh, goes to Wilmington, Delaware area. And where that can sometimes affect us is the air traffic from the south into the New York City airports, specifically Teterboro, Morristown, and Caldwell. The Jake arrival, which is the common arrival procedure into those airports from the south, is not available when that TFR is active. So there's required routes around those TFRs when the president is in Wilmington. Also joining us is the FAA's National Operations Manager, Jason Rooks. Dean is absolutely correct. When we look at the traffic flow and that Caribbean traffic from the south, probably 50% of it is worked by Washington Center, Jackson, Atlanta, coming up through the southern portion of the country. So the location of that really limited what we could do in terms of providing a service to all equally. And so in that instance, we we commonly use root structure to have to avoid that airspace. Now, that creates an impact on the general aviation community as far west as they have to go to get into Cleveland Center and airspace out out in the Midwest to come in from that side of the, the security event. But we're working with the military and the Secret Service to try and, and figure out a way to lessen the impact of that, whether it's through scheduling and times 
And hopefully for that industry, he goes someplace else for a visit and takes a little vacation and he gives them a break. That being said, we're using airspace flow programs. We have a program with the military, with the U.S. military called HARP, Holiday Airspace Release Program. We're hoping to get enough airspace from them to ease congestion into and out of the Caribbean markets. I tell my workforce that hope is not a plan, but we hope all that traffic returns in earnest and everyone gets to a more normal holiday schedule travel season. We're seeing positive signs, but again, hope is not a plan and and, and hopefully all those countries stay open and, and European countries open back up and we can have a return to normalcy is the way I would phrase it. But that's typically the coastal traffic, airspace flow programs, holiday release of military airspace. We're in that season where we typically don't need uh, terminal initiatives on the ground simply because uh, the weather is good for the most part this time of the year. So it's just strictly a volume issue. So we're not worried about that. As you go out west to ski country airports, they have different constraints. Uh, Those airports are tough to get into and out of. And outside of the major international terminal like a Denver They have uh, ramp space issues. They have challenges in terms of logistics and coverage that is just different. So we usually use route structure and heavy miles and trail to support those facilities. And then hopefully we don't get into a situation where there's too much congestion on the ground in terms of ramp space and, and, and competition. That's a whole separate set of initiatives that we'd have to jump into. But right now things look good. To Dean's point, traffic is beginning to return. We're probably at about 85, almost 90% of normal volume, even in the New York metro area. I think the thing that is missing is that international traffic component. And uh, then we'd be right back to where we were pre-2019. Rounding out our panel is John Kozak, Program Manager, Weather and Air Traffic Management Specialist at NBAA Air Traffic Services. And John, I'm sure you've seen the same headlines I have about some of the staffing, network coverage, and other challenges the commercial airlines may face this holiday season. Most of those matters are fairly unique to their operations, but what impact might their issues have on business aviation? It's very important for our operators who move there pilots around their crews, you know, flight attendants and pilots to understand that they need to pay attention to the, the main airports, the core 30 as the FAA calls them, just to make sure that your pilots can get to their aircraft. So there's obviously COVID related restrictions that are still in place uh, for travel. So having that information and paying attention to that, as both Dean and Jason have alluded to, the volume is returning. And that includes a lot of the commercial volume. Business aviation has been lucky to do very well for quite a while now. But with the commercial volume increasing, you know, you want to be aware of where you're putting your crews through. If you can avoid connecting through places like Newark, JFK, or LaGuardia, you're probably doing yourself a big favor. My big thing is weather, obviously, and it just takes a little bit too much wind and all of a sudden they can't use the third runway there at Newark, 1129. And uh, all of a sudden, they're in a ground delay program. That's going to slow down the commercial airlines and any of our people that are going in there. So it's all a big ripple effect with the volume coming back. And it's important for our operators to kind of have an understanding of how the entire system works and not just our little section of it, because it's all intertwined. We'll have more in just a moment. But first, this message from NBAA. 
NBAA Flight Plan listeners, the latest digital edition of your magazine is ready. Just visit nbaa.org slash insider and all the latest intel will be in your hands. We're back now with our discussion about the busy holiday travel season ahead with the FAA's Jason Rooks and Dean Snell and John Kozak with NBAA Air Traffic Services. John, you mentioned how an issue at a large airport back east, for example, can cause a ripple effect for operations across the rest of the country. What are some circumstances you watch for that can indicate bigger problems ahead? That's a really good question. As much as Jason said that the the weather's good, we do get the occasional storm still in the, uh, the southeast. They've still got warm water down there and sunny beaches, which is why everybody's going down there and that heat can help you during the day get some thunderstorms. And it only takes one of those to park over a terminal, and you know then we're having all kinds of fun. More so as you head out west into the ski country airports, the snow brings with it challenges to the ceilings and visibility, which will limit the number of aircraft we can get into airports, which already are very limited just because of how we're supposed to get in and out of those places. So the the canary in the coal mine for me is, you know, just paying attention to the weather ahead of time. Also, if you're looking at the advisory database, the last plan of the day includes something that the the FAA has been doing a a wonderful job of, is giving us a preview of the following day. So after the 915 Eastern planning call, the operations plan goes out on the advisory database. And it includes the things that they're looking at for the following day. So my best advice to operators is make plans ahead of time and then have backup plans for those plans, especially if you're going to be traveling on the Sunday after Thanksgiving and this year, the Sunday after Christmas, which is the day after Christmas. Dean, what other early warnings should operators look for ahead of their flights? Really, the the two most common constraints in the airspace is weather and volume. So, you know, I think John outlined the weather portion of it well. And and the volume is the one that can sneak up on you because even if you're VFR along the entire East Coast, if it's one of those high volume days, you're going to have to put out some traffic management initiatives, which might include airspace flow programs, as the days that John mentioned, the, you know, the Sundays after the holidays, I'll throw in there the Sunday after New Year's as well, where we might actually likely see ground delay programs in, say, Teterboro and in White Plains, Westchester, because we know we're going to get significant volume back on that specific day. Usually for Thanksgiving, the push out of the Northeast, um, you know, heading south is stretched over a few days, usually around like Thursday, Friday, Saturday prior to Thanksgiving which helps spread that out a little bit. Although, you know, we'll see what volume actually occurs this year where we could see initiatives on the southbound push prior to Thanksgiving. But that Sunday after Thanksgiving is definitely extremely heavy, especially along the East Coast and in the ski country area. For the winter holidays, uh, you know, after Thanksgiving, it's typically days later in the week, uh, Thursdays and Fridays out of the Northeast with that volume coming right back into the Northeast, usually um, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, sometimes bleeding over into Monday. So that's kind of, you know, what we're looking at there. But John gave a real good briefing on, you know, looking at the next day planning on that 915 ops advisory. The FAA has a great tool for the public and then the flight operators on their uh, www 
.fly.fa.gov website, which contains numerous details on what's being done within the NAS. One in particular at the very top of the homepage is a, there's a reroutes tab. So any reroutes that are in the system and active are going to be on that page if you select that tab off the main page. And also the operational uh, traffic management initiatives that are in place at any given time are going to be found on the homepage of that same website. So our operators can go get a quick snapshot of where the trouble spots are. Dean and John have mentioned some of the many ways the FAA plans ahead for responding to potential delays across the NAS, Jason. But what situations can crop up unexpectedly? I would say the thing that's the most challenging, equipment issues. Everything now is internet-based, and I think, for the most part, the relationship between the FAA and industry has gotten a lot more open in my career, a lot more collaborative. And with that, we've, we've given people windows and access to information that we're trying to push out so that everyone is really fighting on the same playing field for their business models competitively. That being said, the updates to equipment and the system in an old system, as we try and you know modernize our equipage, I think those problems, when they skew the data, skew the information, that is probably the thing that catches my attention the most. I'm a macro guy. If you tell me how many planes are flying today, that gives me the starting point to look for where my hotspots are to include the ski country's visibility. And I think some of that is is learned experience, you know, the experience that we have over time in the agency. Ski country is an excellent example, an area like Denver. Weather seems to just happen, right? It's, it's, it's so funny. Out there, it's, say hey, we're doing great, we're doing great. Wind change, hail, right? So you're caught scrambling. And in today's environment, I'm dealing with a lot of junior personnel in terms of turnover that comes with time. And those individuals, those uh, men and women have to learn the clues. When I see things like 20 miles in trail at an arrival fix to the New York metros, I automatically think wind shear. But the problem is that stuff ripples back. And now the mile and trail is great and you get caught in these holding situations and compression and stuff like that. They're spot on, but then you have to sort of fill in the gaps with learned events. And so things like that are the things that can still catch us by surprise. Low ceilings out in the ski country airports, staffing issues in today's pandemic era are challenges that we we walk in unawares of, you know, even after the 915 outlook into the next day. We have a a loose strategy of what we're going to do, and then things, to their point, they they just happen. John, what else should operators be prepared for when operating to popular winter destinations like Aspen or Jackson Hole? Dean stated probably the best one for ski country, which is, you know, go to the current reroutes page. You're probably going to see the ski country routes being issued more often than not during the winter months. This helps line that traffic up so that everybody arrives in an orderly fashion in Denver Center and they can get people in as well as they possibly can given, you know, whatever circumstances they're dealing with that day, whether it's a beautiful VFR day and they're at a full 16 rate or it's an IFR rate and they're down under 12. That current reroutes page is, is a wonderful tool for making sure that you're going the right direction and it really helps the FAA help you as an operator. 
So that's really my best advice. The second part of that is something that Jason talked about as far as ramp space. You really want to call ahead and talk to your FBO of choice. Make sure that they're going to have space for you. Your best bet is to, to make contact with those FBOs and see what their situation is, even the day of, before you head up and, and head out, just to make sure that you know what you're in for. Anything to add to that, Dean? Yes. The ski country airports, all of them pretty much operate on a first come, first serve basis, meaning there is not a requirement for reservations, which is good. The downside is, you know, there's still capacity issues. So the volume is is still an issue into those airports. So by operating under that premise, things can go south quickly. So, you know, we've seen several times where the ramp will fill up and we'll get a you know last minute notice that we have to stop all GA traffic into say Aspen. So you can have aircraft already airborne that are not allowed to to land. So they either have to hold until uh, they get a spot open, and or they have to divert. So one of the big things I always suggest if operating into um, ski country airports is to have a backup ready and available even before you depart your origin because things can always go sideways quickly. And it it doesn't have to be weather related. It can certainly be volume related. So that's something I think, you know, to to keep in mind if operating in or out of one of those airports. And we definitely have seen an increase in demand in Jackson Hole in Sun Valley this past year that continues to increase. One thing at Jackson Hole of note, we've seen departure delays back up due to the icing procedures they have in place if the weather is poor. So with the holdover times and the, the volume trying to depart at once, we've seen departure delays back up well over one hour for that particular airport. What additional advice do you have, Dean, for business aviation operators preparing to fly over the upcoming holiday season? You know, one of the big things we like to push out there is for flight operators to file their flight plans through their flight plan service provider well in advance, if possible, ideally the night before. And where this becomes important is their known demand in the FAA system first thing in the morning. So as the FAA is looking at this volume through their automation, that's when they're making decisions. Do we need to put initiatives in? And if we do, what will they be? So if, if you're that known demand when the initiative is first implemented, that delay assignment is typically spread out across through all operators. If your flight plan hits the system after an initiative has been put out, you'll fall under what they call a pop-up flight, meaning the automation is going to have to look for a spot to put your flight, which quite often equates to additional delay. So, you know, being that known demand is is key. Another quick reminder is as of December 2nd charting cycle, the FAA is changing what we commonly know as the Azizu route which is a deep water route off the Atlantic coast, quite often used between Florida and the Northeast. Uh, They'll be changing that to the waters, uh, Whiskey Alpha, Tango, Romeo, Sierra. So even though people know and love the Azusa route, it'll be changing to the waters, deep water route. And the only other thing to mention is Providenciales in the Turks and Caicos. We have commonly seen throughout winter months in the past uh, where they're constrained on the surface and as far as volume into that airport. So on Saturdays and Sundays, it's, it's uh, quite common to see programs into that particular airport if you're planning to operate in there. John? 
just second what Dean was just talking about with the Azizu route becoming the waters route. As somebody who sits at the desk on a regular basis and will be there, like I said, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving and the Sunday after Christmas, and watching the volume just absolutely build and build through Washington Center and see the miles and trail stretch back that Jason's been talking about and seeing all the work that goes on there. If our operators are capable of that deep water route, it is so much better. The harp routes aren't available that day or the POTUS TFR is out. The Azizu slash waters route is the best way to go north and south along the East Coast, I think, because it gets you out of that Washington Center congestion. And if there's anything going on in the nearby centers, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Indianapolis, that congestion only gets worse in Washington Center. I'm putting in a huge two thumbs up for the waters route. Beyond that, when I put on my weather nerd hat, it's the graphical forecast for aviation, the GFA, which replaced the old text-based area forecast. It's wonderful. It's a great supplement for TAFs because it, it takes you outside the terminal environment. It's great for airports that don't have a TAF. You can go forward and backward in time. You can look at all the different types of constraints that are out there. So I, I'm going to say that that's my big piece of advice, just being aware of the weather and where that could impact you. Jason, what message from the FAA's perspective would you like to leave our listeners in business aviation with as we all look toward the holiday travel season? I believe that the business community has a lot more flexibility than the air carrier operations. And so they can do themselves good or harm in the same breath. So everything that these gentlemen stated is absolutely true. The earlier you file, the more you become a known entity within the system. Instead of filing late, last minute, day of, I think those things are absolutely spot on. General aviation, if they can get out over to the water side, that is absolutely critical to easing their delay. And think of it as a one-way street a lot of times. The trend that, that we've seen over the last five years absent COVID is that everyone is extending the holiday. So instead of having a peak period on a Thursday, Friday, and, and a Sunday night, absent COVID, we were beginning to see people take off on Tuesday, Wednesday. So the spikes in demand are sort of leveled off a little bit, but the duration of high demand is still constant and consistent. The other thing I noticed is the way GA files, business aviation files, it tends to be during the peak demand. And the reason I say they have the ability to be a little bit more flexible is if they leave earlier, there's nothing in their way. They, they, they have the opportunity to avoid the peak periods if they so choose. So I would suggest they, you know, they think in terms of that, how do I get out of and not even participate in the chaos that is holiday travel. And then the last thing, in terms of increasing capacity, uh, a few years ago, we were at Washington Center, and we got the money funded for the super high sector. So everyone acknowledges that Washington Center is a choke point for two reasons. They have a majority of that demand, and they have a couple of airspace constriction points that can be overfed by either Jacksonville from the south or, to these gentlemen's point, New York from the north. We got the super high airspace funded in Washington Center called Carolina Beach. You should see that open shortly. That was built to alleviate some of that departure congestion 
demand coming off the New York Metro airports going southbound. So now you have additional airspace. You have the waters route to, to these gentlemen's point and the ability for business aviation to maybe file differently or at different times and avoid the chaos of holiday travel. I believe they have a flexibility that civil aviation air carriers don't have. And hopefully they take advantage of it. But that airspace was built specifically to go on top of the constricted airspace. When we ran models, it's a full-time piece of airspace and it took about 40% of traffic out of what we call Dixon airspace, Washington Center Sector 9, which is where everyone showed up and we had to slow traffic down. So hopefully those things increase capacity throughout the NAS on the coast. The Sundays after Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's are among the busiest days for air travel in the United States. But mornings are usually fairly quiet, so you may consider getting a head start by departing early on those days to beat that Sunday afternoon rush hour. Or, if you have the time, just enjoy the weekend and depart on Monday or Tuesday instead. For the latest information on the status of the NAS, visit fly.faa.gov and follow NBAA Air Traffic Services on Twitter and Facebook. Flight operations can also subscribe to receive specialized services from the ATS team, with NBAA's Air Traffic Management Specialist providing real-time information about the NAS to their scheduler or dispatcher, and evaluation of the impact on the subscriber's flights. Check that out at nbaa.org forward slash ATS. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, hoping everyone travels safely this holiday season, and thanks for listening. Join us next time for another episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.